This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. But I want to talk to you this evening about love does. Love does. Now, Michael, he takes his family to see a movie or a sports event about every week. And when they come home, they build a fire and they make popcorn. You all ever make popcorn? Oh, he has some popcorn here. Every opportunity I have to, to eat, you know, we, we try to do this. Mmm. Anyhow, this is what was going on. So, when they come home, they'd build a fire and then make popcorn. Little Billy, little Billy, he had made a real pest of himself in the car on the way back home. So he was punished by being sent to his room. And after building the campfire and the family began popping the corn, dad went to Billy's room and said, you go on out there and have some popcorn with the others. I'll sit here and I'll take your punishment. That's what a dad did. That's what love does. Love takes the punishment. That's what Jesus, he does amazing things. Jesus took our punishment. He went to the cross. Jesus went to hell for three days. Jesus took our punishment that we should have taken because of the sin of our lives. You know, that's what Jesus did for us. He took our punishment. That's what love does. So I want you to think, when we hear the word love, and I don't know how long we're going to talk about this particular topic, but when you hear the word love, I want you to think, well, that's what love does, because that's what Jesus does, and that's what Papa God does. There's a scripture that we've sung from time to time. It's in uh, Psalms 63, verse 3, I think it is, and it, it talks about <clears throat> thy loving, what's the next word? Yeah, it's actually one word. Thy loving kindness is one deal. Thy loving kindness. Did you know you can be loving and not kind? Have you ever shown love to someone, but you wasn't kind to them in the process? Thy loving kindness is better than life. Thy loving kindness is better than life. My my lips are going to praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. And I'm going to lift up my hands in your name. See... The love of God is extremely kind. That's what it does. The the love of God is never mean and it's never cruel. God's loving kindness is just so much better than this life itself. Anyhow, that's a scripture. If you're 
into jotting the scriptures down and memorizing them, or this is one that we have sang in years gone by, that would be Psalm 63, verse 3. I would write that down, and I would make a note of it, because it's a very significant passage. Anyhow, in Romans chapter 5, verse 7, it says, We can understand... We can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for. Uh, you know any notable, real kind and loving people that if someone's going to give their life for, well, that person is worth giving your life for because they've made such a difference in helping and being kind to other people. Have you ever known someone that, well, they would have been worth someone giving their life to rescue them and take care of them? It says, well, we can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for. And we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice because of what other people are doing inspires us to, to make such selfless sacrifices and all. And it says in verse 8, but God put his love on the line for us. That's what God's love does. God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. Is there any people in your life right now who are absolutely no use to you whatsoever? Who probably shouldn't answer that question. <laughs> But the Bible says in the times when you and I were of absolutely no use to God whatsoever, we were selfish and we were unkind and we were sin-filled and sin-controlled. It says here, but God put his love on the line for us by offering his son. Verse 8. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death. He offered his son to die on the cross while we were of no use whatever to him. We were still selfish. We were still unkind. We were still, you know, uh, sinful. But that's what God does. That's what dad did for little Billy, little Billy deserved punishment because he was so rebellious and disobedient. But Dad said, I'm going to take the punishment. Here, you going out there and you cook and eat popcorn with them guys, and I'm going to take your punishment. And that's what God did for us. That's what love does. That's what love does. It says here, in the book of John, chapter 13, verse 34, it says, so now, this is Jesus talking, it says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. I'm giving you a new one. So make a note of it. Don't forget the new commandment that Jesus has given us. He says, so I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. It's actually a command. It's not a, a real great suggestion. It's a command to love each other. And we've seen how God loved us when we we're still sinful. It wasn't that we were perfect that God loved us. And Jesus is saying, 
Here, love each other. What's the next couple words say? Just as I have loved you. Wow. Love one another, Jesus says, the same way I've loved you. And Jesus went to the cross for us. While we didn't give a hoot what he did. While we were sinful, while people played, you know, uh, cards and dice to try to get his clothes from him and, and while f- people were mocking him and spitting on him and, and, and Jesus was dying for those people who mocked him and who hated his guts and, and all that and Jesus was dying for them and Jesus says here so now I'm giving you a new commandment love each other just as I have loved you you should love each other same way. Let me look at verse uh, Romans chapter 5, 7, and we're going to go on down. It says, we can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for, and we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice, but God put his love on the line for us, by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. Verse 9 says, now that we are right with God, now that we're right with God by, by means of his sacrificial death, by Jesus taking our punishment, and now that we're right with God because Jesus took the punishment for us, The consummate blood sacrifice, and Jesus shed every drop of his blood to forgive us for our sins so we can be right with God. Now, verse 9 says, Now that we are right with God by means of the sacrificial death, the consummate blood sacrifice, there is no longer a question of being at odds with God in any way. There's not a question of us being at odds with God because Jesus did whatever it took to pay for us. And we are 100% fully pardoned, you and I are, because of what Jesus did. We are 100% fully forgiven because of what Jesus did for us. We are 100% washed and, and we are clean because of what Jesus did to make us right with his Father God. It didn't feel good doing it, and he surely didn't, you know, have any reason to take our punishment other than that's what love does. That's just what love does. It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, so what do you think? (laughs) What do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? We can't. With God on our side like this, him taking the punishment and us being pardoned and forgiven. so, so, So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? Verse 32, if God didn't hesitate to put everything, that's 100% on the line for us. And he put everything on the line for us. 
He put everything. Our punishment was 100% paid for every man, woman, boy, and girl on this planet because God put it all on the line. The life of his son, the blood of his son, Jesus, his life that breathed out for three days. And the Bible tells us that Jesus went to hell for three days. It was all put on the line for us. So what do you think, Romans 8.31? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If, if God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition, and what was our condition? Does anybody know? Our condition was what? We were separate. We were sinful. We were ruined. We were lost. We were spiritually dead. You're exactly right. If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst, God exposed himself to the, to the worst, and, and that's just sinfulness. He exposed himself to the worst by sending his own son is there anything else that God wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? You're right. That's what love does. Love will go to the cross and be beaten mercilessly. And he will die and go to hell for three days and pay for our sins. That's what love does. Real love. Oh, we, we hear it talked about. We see it on movies that ain't worth even watching no more, the stuff that they make. But love is what God did for us. Love is what Jesus did for you and for me. That, that's what love does. It is absolutely 100% pure, and it's absolutely 100% unselfish. Let me read verse 32 once again. If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition, sinful condition, and exposing himself to the worst, our sinfulness, by sending his own son, is there anything he, almighty God, wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? He loves you and he's crazy about you. And who would dare Tangle with God. Would Goliath, would Goliath come down here and say, hey, God, get out of the way. I'm going to squish that in creation like a bug. Would Goliath tangle with God because of you? A little old bull with a slingshot took Goliath out of the picture, did he not? And it says, who would dare, verse 33, who would dare tangle with, with God by messing with one of God's chosen. Uh, let me ask you, if, if you had one of your kids or grandkids around and there was a big old mean dog around trying to get and bite your, would you stand in between them? Yes. And I can tell you, oh, have mercy on that dog. I can tell you that for a fact. You know? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Nobody. Verse 34 says, who would dare even to point a finger? Yeah, that little, and God goes, I'm getting ready to pull that finger right off of your hand. 
Romans chapter 5, verse 10, it says, if, we, if when we were at our worst, our, our sinfulness, our being unkind and just, just dirty and filthy in every way, if when we were at our worst, we were put on friendly terms with God, and that's exactly what happened when we were at our worst, Jesus died for us. When we were at our worst, when we were at our worst, we were put on friendly terms with God by the sacrificial death of his son, Jesus. Now that we're at our best, because we've been pardoned, we have been forgiven, and we are in an awesome, fantastic relationship with God. And there are so many gifts of the Holy Spirit that God is still giving unto believers in this day and time. Did you know that? Did you know that God gives you a, a heavenly language to pray in that the devil has no clue what in the world you're praying? Yes. And did you know you have some supernatural access to the almighty God no matter what's going on and the devil just don't understand it? And he has to flee from all such kinds of things. Anyhow, let me read again verse uh, 10. If when we were at our worst, we were put on friendly terms with God by the sacrificial death of his son, now that we're at our best, pardon, forgiven, in right relationship with God, just think of how our lives will expand because we're in right relationship with God now. Just think how our, our lives are going to expand, our, our lives are going to increase, and, and just think how our lives are going to, to grow and, and deepen and intensify what he's talking about. Just think of how our lives will expand and deepen by means of his resurrection life. Just think of what is going to happen to your life because you were at odds with God and Jesus gave his life and you've been forgiven and you've been pardoned and God's given all kinds of gifts. And just imagine what this resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead is going to do for you and you and you and you and you. Just imagine what God has in store. I'm talking about this week. Just imagine what God's got in store for this coming week and, and this coming month. Not just when we die and get to heaven one day. Just imagine with this resurrection power, this resurrection life that has been made available to you. Imagine how it's going to impact us. Jesus, he died and he rose from the dead and he accessed this resurrection power so he could just turn right around and give it to you. And you surely didn't deserve it. And I surely didn't deserve it, but he gave it to us. You talking about this is what love does. We deserved sitting in our room because of the way we've acted. But daddy took our punishment and told us to go out and have some popcorn. We surely didn't deserve to have no popcorn after acting like a jerk. And, and we surely don't deserve the resurrection power after we lived our life the way that we did. Verse 11, Romans 5, verse 11 says, Now that we have actually received this amazing friendship of God, now we've, we've actually received it. 
It's not just a promise. He said, now that we have actually received this amazing friendship with God, we are no longer content to simply say it in plotting prose. You know, we don't just clown around with it no more. You know, we don't just say roses are red and violets are blue and sugar is sweet and God, so are you. Ain't no life in that. That's a joke. That's what it is. It says, we are no longer content to simply say it in plotting prose. We sing it and shout it and praise to God through Jesus the Messiah. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Early in the morning my song shall rise to thee. I'm talking about songs and and praise coming out from deep within. And he shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Uh, I'm talking about Jesus, who gave it all. He laid it all on the line for you and me. And we don't just sing to him songs like, roses are red and violets are blue. No, no, there's life. There's depth. When we sing and when we shout the victory to the Lord Jesus Christ, that's what I'm talking about. And in the book of John, chapter 3, verse 16, just about everybody here knows it. It says, for God loved the world. And that's talking about you. It's talking about you. And it's talking about me. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. That's what love does. That's the kind of love that God has for you. And ain't some little old roses or red violets or blue kind of a deal. For God so loved the world, you and me, so much that he gave his one and only son. And everybody's heard about what he did. Everybody on this planet just about has heard about God giving his son Jesus for us. And they want to know him also, a God like that. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that Everyone now, now what percentage is everyone? 100%. So that everyone who believes in him, and I'm gonna tell you right now, unashamed and unapologetic, I believe in Jesus. That's talking about me. And everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Everyone in this World on this planet, in this nation, everyone who believes in him, no matter what's going on in these end times, people need to know the gospel. People need to know that God sent his son, Jesus, and they need to know that they can be forgiven and they can be pardoned and they can have a fantastic, wonderful relationship with Papa God. 
so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17 says, God sent his son, Jesus, into the world not to judge the world. When's the last time you judged one of your brothers and sisters for something they was doing? Oh, boy. If everybody knows what they was, I might just go tell somebody what they was up to. Says God sent his son into this world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. That's what God does. And that's what God's love does. He saves and he forgives and he pardons. What do we do? What do we do? Do we follow this example? You know, Jesus is here washing people's feet. And all them guys knew, uh, along with other you know, servants that was outside, they knew the person who did the foot washing was the lowest guy on the totem pole. He was the lowest of the lowest of the lowest servant in the household. And who is doing the washing of people's feet? Jesus is. That's, that's what love does. And such humility attracts the resurrection power of God to your life. Such humility. When you humble yourself before Almighty God, His resurrection power flows to you. And He says, I got a purpose for you for the rest of your life. I got something for you to do. And resurrection power flows with that whole shebang. That's just the way it is. In the book of Luke, chapter 23, verse 34, Jesus said, Father, Papa God, Father, and not just his disciples, but the people who was beating him, where he was bleeding so terribly, people who spit on him and nailed him to a cross and stuck the cross in the ground and then walked by and mocked him. Father, hey, Father, forgive them. Father, they are so evil and so wicked and so selfish. Father, forgive, for, forgive them. See, that's what love does. That's what love does. That's not what you're going to do. That's not what selfishness, that's just not what humanity does. But that's what God's love does. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. But that's what Jesus does. He gets his father's attention. Hey, Papa God, forgive him. Forgive him all. I know I got the power to call the angels down and the white man, but forgive them. They just don't know what they're doing. The devil's got them blinded. He's deceived them. Forgive them, Papa God. They will be in relationship with me soon enough. That's what he's telling them there. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6 says, To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted. God made us accepted. We were definitely not accepted. We were filthy and we were foul and we were unclean and we was everything but pure and we were everything but holy. But he made us accepted in the beloved. 
he made us accepted through relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody needs to be accepted. How many of you have ever felt rejection before? You ever felt rejection? We all usually feel it somewhere along the line. When we're little and even when we get bigger and even when we get older, we often feel rejected. But Jesus here, he's, we see it in his word very clearly. To the praise of his glory, of his grace, by which he, he made us. He, he did this fantastic, wonderful new creation kind of a thing, and he made us accepted. He caused us to become accepted in relationship with Christ. We have been forgiven. Jesus said, Papa, forgive them all, would you? Would you just forgive them all? And they're accepted. They're with me. How could any human being understand that? They can't. But see, that's what love, that's what love does. In Josephine Robertson's book, Living with Love, she tells of a young clergyman in 1883, the Reverend Joe Roberts, who arrived by stagecoach in a blizzard to minister to the Indians of Wyoming. This great wild area had been assigned to the Protestant church by President Grant. Soon after Joe Roberts arrived, the son of the chief was shot by a soldier in a brawl, and Chief Washaki vowed to kill the first white man that he met. And since this might mean the start of a long bloody feud, young Roberts, Reverend Joe Roberts, he decided to take action. Seeking out the teepee 15 miles away in the mountains in the blizzard, he stood outside and he called the chief's name. When Washaki appeared, Roberts, he opened his shirt. I have heard of your vow. Robert said, I have heard of your vow, he said, and I know that other white men have families here, but I am alone. Kill me instead. The chief was amazed and he motioned for him to come into his tent. How do you have so much courage? And to an Indian, courage is paramount. How in the world could you have such courage to just open your shirt in this blizzard here and just let me kill you? I wouldn't do that. The chief is saying, I'll fight a bear with a knife, but I wouldn't do that. How do you have so much courage? And Joe Roberts told him about Christ and Jesus' death and his teachings and his resurrection. And they talked for hours when Joe left the chief of the Shoshone had renounced his vow to kill and resolved to become a Christian. Washaki had experience what love does. He experienced the love of God that penetrated his life where there was a, another man who didn't even know his son or know the guy who had killed him came and opened his shirt and says, take my life instead of theirs. He was living Christ-like. That's what love does. That's what God's love does. 1 John chapter 4, verse 15, it says all. Now, what percentage is that? 
All who proclaim that Jesus is the Son of God, just, just so you know, I'm going to make the statement again, and I don't apologize. I proclaim that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Unapologetically, and it says here, all who proclaim that Jesus is the Son of God, they have God living in them. And I can tell you for a fact that God's living in me. Because I proclaim that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And I have God living in me. And he goes on to say, and they live in God. Not only is God living in me, but I'm living in relationship with him. And I'm telling you, his resurrection power is available to every man, woman, boy, and girl who have such a relationship with the Almighty God. Verse 16 goes on to say, and we know how much God loves us. That's what God does. He loves us to the point of making such a phenomenal sacrifice of his son on the cross. We can understand when the rest of the world was evil and filthy and sinful, he allowed Jesus to die in their place, take their punishment. That's what God's love does. Verse 16 says, we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in him. God doesn't just love us, but he says, God, he is love. If you ever want to find the true absolute, absolute source of love, that is God. It's not that God loves like you love somebody, but, you, but you're not love. You're just a person who loves, and you're learning to love the way God loves, but you're not love. But God himself is personified love. That's what he is, and that's what he does. Verse 16, we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in him. God is love. And that's what he does. And that's who he is. And all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. Do you have such a relationship? Did you know such a relationship is available to you now, not when you die and get to heaven one day, but that you have this relationship available to be in such a relationship with God right now? And his resurrection power flow to and through you right now. And in his heavenly languages that he gives you to pray and to speak right now that, that tears down principalities and powers of darkness. They flow to and through you not to entertain or not to show off to someone, but to, to be powerful resurrection power right now. Verse 17 says, and as we live in God, our love does what? It grows more perfect. As we live in our relationship with God, and there's things, if you live in this relationship with God, you would never be turning on and find it entertaining. You, you just wouldn't. Not if you was living in this love relationship with God. You just couldn't possibly look at that because it's so appalling to God. But if you're living in this relationship with God, and as we live in God, verse 17 says, our love grows more perfect. Our love grows more perfect. 
That's what our love does when we're living in such a relationship with God. Our love is growing stronger and stronger and more perfect. Our love is growing toward stronger and stronger toward God, and, and our love is growing more and more and more toward God's creation, to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then to love our neighbors, ourselves. Our love is growing more perfect, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. The day of judgment might not be that too far off, to be honest with you. And are we going to be fearful to stand before God when we've got to give account of all that we've done? Or do we just go ahead right now, this night, and repent of all of our sins and offer our lives, the rest of our lives, to the Almighty God, ask Him to pull us into the most awesome, wonderful relationship with Him, ask Him to fill us with His Holy Spirit, and use us in whatever way just brings honor and glory to Him. Now, there's a man or a woman who might be in a situation of desperation and just willing to move into such a fantastic relationship with God. That could happen. And as we live in God, verse 17 says, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we're, we're like Christ. Because we are like Christ. And I'm not asking someone to tell on you, but I'm asking you to think about it. When you look at yourself in the mirror, when you go through your activities of the day and the things that you have done and not done, do you really feel like your life is like Christ? who gave himself as such a sacrifice for you and said, Father, forgive them for what they've done. They just don't know it. And, but God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pull them into a close relationship with me. He says here, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we can face God with confidence because we are like Christ here in this world, now, not when we die and go to heaven. But we are like Christ now. When you go out of this building tonight or you see somebody tomorrow, um, are, are you like Christ before them? Uh, you don't have to say a word to them, but are you like Christ to them? Do they see your behavior? They see your mannerisms, your actions, what you do, what you don't do. Are you like Christ to them? That's what love does. Love makes us Christ-like. The love of Almighty God. James chapter 1 verse 17 says, Whatever is good and perfect. Is any, is, have you enjoyed anything that's really good and perfect in this world in which we live? Yes. Whatever is good and perfect, it comes down to us from God our Father. That's what God does. He sends us good and perfect stuff to enjoy. It all came from him. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. All the good and the perfect stuff that you've enjoyed in life, it came from God. That's what love does. That's kind of what daddy said. Hey, you go out there and enjoy that popcorn, buddy, with the fire. I'm going to sit here and take your punishment in the bedroom. One day, 
St. Francis of Assisi said to one of the young monks at the Porti Uncola, he said, let us go down to the town and let's preach. And the novice, <laughs> the novice was delighted to be singled out to be with the companion such as Francis. And he obeyed with eagerness and, and they passed through the main street and they turned down many of the side streets and alleys and they made their way into the suburb and at the great at great length they returned by the an indirect meandering winding route to the monastery gate. And as they approached the gate, the younger man reminded Francis of his original intention. You have forgotten, Father, that we went to the town to preach. My son, Francis replied, we have preached. We were preaching while we were walking. We have been seen by many. Our behavior has been closely watched. It was thus we preached our morning sermon. It is of no use, my son, to walk anywhere to preach unless we preach everywhere we walk. Our actions preach louder than our words. And that's what God's love does. When you stop and help someone and you never ever said a word and you held the door, you picked up the groceries from the little lady's cart or a thousand other things that you did, <clears throat> you were preaching a sermon. That's what love does. That's what Jesus does. And that's what will lead men and women, boys and girls to Christ. When we preach without a fiery word, without a fiery message, without a word even spoken, just a smile, a wave, Stopping the car so the little kid can get across the road. Getting the cat down out of the tree. And I'm telling you, that's what God's love does. It is observed and it is seen. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. And I'd, I'd rather one would, would walk with me than merely show the way. The eyes a better pupil and much sharper than the ear. Fine counsel can confuse me, but examples always clear. The lectures you deliver may be very wise and true, but I'd rather get my lesson by observing what you do. And you, you preached a sermon today. Every one of you have. Might have been to your family. Might have been to your wife. Might have been to your husband. Might have been to your neighbors. Might have been to the guy at the gas station or the, the grocery store or someone who pulled out in traffic in front of you. But you preached a sermon today. That's what love does. And we impact people forever by what they observe that we do. Romans chapter 12, verse 9, it says, don't just pretend. Uh, don't play like. Uh, this is not a, a game. This is not make-believe. It says, don't just pretend that you love others. In a Christian church, you can 
Act like you love others. Oh, y'all going in ahead of us. Oh, here, I'll fix your flat tire after church. And, and we can pretend and we can get away with it. As Christians, we know the, the routine and we know what to say and we know what to do. But the Bible says in Romans 12, 9, don't just pretend that you love others. Really love them. That's what God does. Even though it costs the tremendous sacrifice of his son. He loved others. When we love other people, does it cost us something? Or do we only love others when other people are watching? Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Because he really loves you. Hate what is wrong. Now you might not can stop all the wrong in this world right now, but you can hate it and you can pray against it. And you can pray for those in the midst of it that God would reach them and help them somehow, right? Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong and stand on the side of the good. And I'm not talking about just going to war, fist fights and all that, but take your stand. And I'm going to tell you, when you take a stand in prayer, it changes the world in which we live. Genuinely, you go boldly before the throne of God's grace and you're a man that is filled with the Holy Spirit and you know how to pray those heavenly language and tear down strongholds and, and put the darkness to fleeing from the light. I'm telling you, it changes things. Hate what is wrong and stand on the side of the good. Love each other. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Take delight in like, oh, can I, can I wash his feet instead of you, Jesus? Oh, Jesus, can, can I wash their, their feet there? Or are we just happy somebody else is doing the dirty job? Somebody else is doing all the serving. Some people enjoy tearing other people down publicly and ripping them apart and embarrassing them and humiliating them. Some people enjoy tearing other people down, but God don't. Love does not. People love tearing people down, dishonoring them and embarrassing them in front of her, but that's not God. It just ain't God. Verse 11 here in Romans 12, it says, Never be lazy in your work, but serve the Lord enthusiastically. Jesus, he served his disciples enthusiastically. He took care of them until he gave up his last breath. He served them enthusiastically. And he role modeled how they should serve one another. Never be lazy in your work, but serve the Lord enthusiastically. What's the next two words? Be glad for all God has planned for you. Do you even know that God has a plan for you tonight? And God has a plan for you tomorrow? And God has a plan for you this coming week? God has plans for you while you're still drawing breath on this earth. He has a plan for you. 
100% guaranteed, not just, well, maybe, house, uh, yeah. he has a plan for you. And it says in verse 2, be glad for all, for all God is planning for you. And, and then he says, another B, what's he saying? Be, be, be patient. Are we ever impatient? That's why we like instant this and we like instant that and we like drive-ins and drive-throughs and because we often are impatient, but God is patient because he knows to create you and to bring about the wonderful change in you, it takes time. And he is so patient with you. And he says he... Be glad for all God's plan for you and be patient in trouble and always be always be prayerful. Always. At night time, in the morning time, when you'd rather be doing something else time, he says always. 100% of the time, be prayerful. When God's children are in need, Make sure somebody else helps him out. When God's children are in need, be the one to help them out. Because that's what love does. But if I help them out, it's going to cost me. It, it costs Papa God to help you out. It, it costs Jesus a whole lot to help you out. And his word here says, after being prayerful, it says, when God's children are in need, be the one to help them out. Because that's what love does. Helps them out. And get into the... And I don't think he was talking about chewing or drinking or smoking there either. Get into the habit of inviting guests home for dinner. Oh, Lord, but we might not have enough or things are not tired. But I wanted to watch such and such tonight. And if they come over, we can't watch that because they wouldn't approve of that. And Get into the habit of inviting guests home for dinner or if they need lodging for the the night because that's what love does. It's, it's what love does. So that's what the, the love of Almighty God, it does that. That's what love does. And if people persecute you because you're a Christian, don't curse them because that's not what love does. You Blankety, blank, 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 blank. Love don't do that. God Almighty, who is love, he don't curse. Even the most evil and vile of people on this planet, he don't curse them. And that's what he tells us here. If people persecute you because you're a Christian, don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. That's what love does. You pray a a blessing on them. When you feel like prophesying a curse on them, 
love prays a blessing on them. The way Jesus prayed on the people who were crucifying him. Hey, Papa God, forgive them. They really don't know what they're doing. And, and they're going to be mine soon enough. Forgive them. Verse 15 says, and when others are happy, be jealous of what they've got. <laughs> be happy with them. Be delighted that they've got something bigger and better than you've ever dreamed of. Be happy with them. When others are happy, be happy with them because that's what love does. And if they are sad, you don't rejoice deep down in your heart because they've got some misery come their way. They surely deserved it. If they're sad, share their sorrow. Because that's what true love does. It shares another person's sorrow as, long, as, as well as it shares in their joys. Verse 16 says, live in harmony with each other and don't try to act important. Don't try to act important. Don't try to act important by what you wear and what you drive and what you eat and where you live. And Don't try to act important. That's pride. Pure and sweet is what got Satan ousted out of heaven. Don't try to act important. But enjoy the company of uh, ordinary people. And acknowledge how important ordinary people are. Ordinary little girl. They called her Mary. She was pretty important, though, when she said, I I'll let you use my body for Jesus to be conceived in and to live in this world, and I'll, I'll raise him as best as I can. Acknowledge how important ordinary people are who are in your life right now. And let's start dealing more and more with ordinary people and not just trying to, to you know, hobnob along with the important people of the world and so we can drop names and Stuff like that. And don't think, and don't think you know it all. Because we don't, do we? We surely don't. And then he tells us here in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, and this is talking about in the last days. It says, sin will be rampant everywhere. And what percentage is everywhere? Have you seen sin increase in the last year? Probably don't even have to go back a year, really, do you? Sin will be rampant everywhere in the last days. We, have, we are there. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will... The love of many... The fire has gone out for God and the fire has gone out for God's people and where there was a fire it's only ashes it's grown cold. 
The love of many will grow cold in the latter days. Although there was a fire there once upon a time, sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. Does this describe you right now? Has your fire for God and for doing God's will and, and, and for, for loving God's people, ordinary people, as the fire that was once in you, has it grown cold? Is this describing you? Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. And listen to what he says in Revelation chapter 2 verse 4. Jesus says, but I have this complaint against you. And if the shoe fits us here or watching online, well, then let's just wear it. And if you don't like that kind of shoe, well, then let's change it. But I have this complaint against you. Jesus says, you don't love me or each other as you did at first. You used to love me, but life changed a lot of that and stuff. Change. You used to love me and you used to love my, my children, but the fire has gone cold in your heart. And this is Jesus talking to us here in these last days. But I, I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Verse 5 goes on to say, look how far you have fallen from your first love. You remember when you first loved Jesus? He was the most wonderful thing in the world and you felt loved and cared for and you felt forgiven and he started answering prayers and he started blessing you and you got all kinds of stuff and as time progressed, you you clung to your stuff and you forgot about the giver of the stuff. Look how many have fallen Uh, from your first love. Turn back to me, Jesus said. Turn back to me again and and work as you did at first. If you don't, I will come and I will remove your candlestick, your your lampstand from its place among the churches. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. There's too little of love for God. And there's too little of love for God's children and those He created. There's just too little of love and we love the world and we love our stuff and we love ourselves and we love our positions and Revelation 2, 4 and 5. You know in the the, the sport called tennis. Anybody here play tennis? And in the sport called tennis and someone says love, what does love mean? means nothing. That's your score, right? Zero to zero. Love means nothing. But as far as life goes, in your relationship with God, in your relationship with God's creation, love means everything. It means everything. The husband to love his wife, the wife to love her husband, you love your 
kids and you love your, your neighbor, love is everything because God is love and he shares himself with us. And in tennis, it means nothing. But in life that we live right now, people, they're losing their lives because of the lack of love. They feel not accepted and they don't feel love and they don't know where to find it from. But maybe they could find it if they were observing you and me and the way we treated them and our behavior and, and all. And maybe they don't deserve it and maybe they're way very lower than ordinary. But that's the one to Jesus he wants us to, to reach out to and he wants us to touch. And it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, it says, Now you can have sincere love with no hypocrisy. It says, now you can have sincere love for each other as brothers and sisters because you were cleansed from your sins. You couldn't have this kind of love when you were controlled by your sin. But since you have been cleansed from your sins, now you can love with the purest and the holiest love. Verse 22 says, now you can have sincere love for each other as brothers and sisters because you were cleansed from your sins when you accepted the, the truth of God's good news. So see to it that you really do love each other intensely. That's what love does. It loves in, intensely. I'm talking about the love of God. It, it, it loves Powerfully, I'm talking about supreme effort where every muscle in your being is strained to love God-like love. Not a selfish, sinful, worldly love, but a pure love. And he says you can love that way now because you've been pardoned and you, you've been forgiven and you can love intensely now with With what? Of 100% of your heart, you can, you can love now. You can love God that way, and you can love all of God's creation that way, and you can make an eternal difference in people's lives. While we have a little bit of time left, you're going to impact them for eternity, and they'll make it to heaven one day just because you loved them and because you cared for them, and, and they was ordinary, but they was an important ordinary person. As each and every one of us is an ordinary, but we're important to Almighty God and those that God sends across our path. Love feels no burden, thinks nothing of trouble, attempts what is above its strength. Love pleads no excuse of impossibility, for love thinks all things are possible. Love puts the fun in together. Love puts the sad in a part. Love puts hope in tomorrow. And love puts the joy in a heart. He who knows he is loved can be content with a piece of old bread. While all the luxuries of this world cannot satisfy the craving of the lonely and the unloved. You like people. Because, because of what they drive, what they wear, where they live. You like people because you love people, although 
although they don't think the way I think, and although they smell, or although they this or that or another. You like people because, but you love people although. God loves us, although he don't like all the stuff that we do. He loves us, although. Isn't that right? We need to be willing to go the extra mile for other people because of love would go, well, I'm going I'm to miss part of my TV show if I take you all the way to the service station and get you some, I'll take you halfway, okay? But you go the extra mile and you miss your TV program and you make an eternal difference in this young man's life. That's what I'm talking about. Martin Luther King Jr. said, I have decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. I've decided to stick with love. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 6 says, Knowing God leads to self-control. How many of you like to have self-control in your life? Knowing God will make that happen. Knowing, not about him, but knowing him. Knowing God leads to self-control. Self-control leads to patient endurance. Patient endurance leads to godliness. Godliness leads to love for other Christians. And finally, you will grow to have genuine love for everyone. And it all starts off with knowing God. Are you growing? Are you learning to love everyone? Because you've got to understand this. Some people don't grasp this. Love must be learned again and again and again. Love must be learned. And there is no end to it. Hate, on the other hand, needs no instruction, but just waits to be provoked. And hate can just rise up. You don't have to learn it. It just naturally comes over and over and over when someone provokes you, pulls out in traffic, curses you, looks at you mean, says something bad about you, hate just rises up, but love must be learned. And as we submit ourselves to the power of the Holy Spirit, and he takes control, and he'll lead us and guide us into all truth, and he'll teach us, he'll teach us how to love. That's what he wants to do. I think we're just about done here. It says here in 1 John, chapter 4, verse 7, it says, My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other. Let us continue starting to love each other ain't good enough. My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from, what's that say? Since love comes from God, everyone who loves, everyone who loves is, is, is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. Everybody who genuinely loves is born of God and experiences relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. So you can't know him if you don't love 
This is how God shows his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so we might live through him. This is the kind of love we are talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage that our sins had done to our relationship with God. And our sins have damaged our relationship with God. And the sins that you've done today damages your relationship with God today. And we need to apologize to God and and we need to receive his forgiveness and we need to ask his Holy Spirit to fill us up and empower us and lead us and guide us into all truth. The latter verse right there in verse 11, it says, My dear, dear friends, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love each other. That's the way we should love each other. And see, love is the greatest gift one person can give another. And love isn't love until you give it away. It ain't love until you give it away and you demonstrate it and you're observed or you're observed offering. Because love ain't, it ain't love until you give it away. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Love ever gives forgives, outlives, and ever stands with open hands. And while it lives, it gives. <laughs> For this is love's prerogative, to give and give and give and give and give and give. That's love. Love does. <laughs> it does what Jesus does. Real love. And we are here for a, probably a short period of time. I hope we're here for a long time. I'm counting on it. But we need to start loving the people that God's bringing into our life every day. And we need to love him into the kingdom. We genuinely need to do so. I'd like to pray for you before we depart. Would you join me, dear? <clears throat> and thank you so much, guys, for coming out. I appreciate it. So much. We've gone through some crazy things in the last three weeks. We really have. And one day maybe we'll tell you all the details, but we don't want to expose everybody to all those details. First thing I'd like us to do is just to pray and welcome Christ into our heart. Allow him to forgive us for all of the sin and for anything that's in there that ought not to be there no more. Would you join me as we pray? Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. I believe that you love me. I believe that you love me. And thank you for so much for sending your son Jesus. And thank you so much for sending your son Jesus. And for his willingness to give his life. And for his willingness to give his life. To wash all my sins away. To wash all my sins away. And to give me peace inside. And to give me peace inside. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I want everything in me. And I want everything in me. That does not please you. That does not please you. Please take it out. Please take it out. Wash it out. Wash it out. And give me the desire. And give me the desire. To sweep it out. To sweep it out. 
And I ask that Jesus would be Lord of my life. I ask that Jesus would be Lord of my life. Every part of who I am. Every part of who I am. And stoke the fire in me, O God. And stoke the fire in me, O God. That I will fall in love with Jesus. That I will fall in love with Jesus. In all of your creation. In all of your creation. Like I once had. Once I like I once had. And breathe upon the fire in me. And breathe upon the fire And in may me. it blaze. And may it blaze. And may I make a difference. And may I make a difference. In lives of men and women. In lives of men and women. And boys and girls. And boys and girls. Who are in my sphere of influence. Who are in my sphere of influence. Because that's what love does. Because that's what love does. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.